Chapter thirty seven of the Mystery of the Ravenspurs by Fred M. White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty seven Diplomacy. Mrs. May crossed rapidly and noiselessly to the door and closed it. Not that there was any need for caution, seeing that the primitive household had been abed long ago but precaution is never wasted. There was coffee in the grate kept hot by means of a spirit lamp. Mrs. May poured out a cup and handed it to her guest. She lay back in her chair watching him with a keen glance and the easy, natural insolence, the cruel cutting superiority of the great over the small. The man stood his hands thrust into the folds of his loose sleeves, a picture of patient resignation. "'How did you get here?' the princess asked. "'At the great house in London I asked, O oh mistress,' Ben here replied. "'I came over, as thou knowest, to do certain work. There was yet another one with me, and when my work was done, I came on to tell what thy slave had accomplished. "'You have proofs of what you say?' "'Else I had not been here. For two years we have followed up the track of the victim. It was as if we had searched for one single perch in the hole of a great lake of water, but we never tired and never slept both at the same time. Then at last we got near, and it came to the knowledge of the prey that we were upon him. That was long before the last cold weather that nearly starved us. The man paused and shivered. The princess nodded with careless sympathy. She had never tried a winter in England, but she could imagine what it was. "'He knew us at last,' Ben here resumed. "'He met us face to face in the public street.' and he knew that his hour had come. A night later he was in Paris. At the same time we were in Paris also. He tried Rome, Vienna, Berlin. So did we. Then he came back to London again. When he did so, we knew that he had bowed his face before the all-seeing and prayed that the end might come speedily. The princess followed all this with impatience, but the man was speaking after the manner of his kind and could not be hurried. He would go to the end without omitting a single detail, and the princess was forced to listen. Despite the western garb and the evidences of western life and custom about her, she was no longer Mrs. May, but Princess Zara. She had only to close her eyes, and the droning intonation and passionless voice of the speaker took her back to Lassa again. And the day was near, ah, the day was near, when the goal would be reached. Once we had him, and once he escaped, Ben here went on. He was a brave man, was Vosky, and nothing could break down those nerves of iron. He knew that the end was near. It was in a big house, a house near to London, that we found him. There were servants, 
and they were glad to have their fortunes told. It was their evening meal on the table when we got there, and the man Vosky Sahib was out. Then, behold, after that evening meal the servants slept till the dawn, and at midnight the master returned. He came into his study, and the bright flash of the lightning came at the touch of his fingers. "'Electric light,' the princess said impatiently. "'Go on.' Then he saw us. We knew that he had no weapon. The door we barred. Then Vosky, he sit down and light a cigar, smiling, smiling all the time. When we look at him, we see that he moves not so much as a little finger. There was no sign of fear, except that he look at a little box on the table now and then. Ah, the princess cried, you got it, eh? Ben here made no direct reply. He was not to be hurried. He meant to describe a sordid murder in his own cold-blooded way. Probably he did not regard the thing as a crime at all. He had been acting under the blessing of the priests. "'You have come for it?' he asked. We bowed low with respect, saying that we had come for it. He lay back in his chair, making a sign for me to approach. Previously we had told him that it was useless for him to call out to the servants. "'You did not tell those servants their fortunes in your present garb?' "'No, no, my mistress. We know such pigs as that. Sahib Vosky bid me approach. My friend had the pie ready on the cloth. It was held to the head of the other, and so he died peacefully in his chair.' "'Ah, so you say. Where are your proofs?' Ben here slowly withdrew a white packet from the folds of his dress. "'What better proof could the slave of my illustrious mistress have?' he asked. "'It is here, the precious stone with the secrets of the gods written on it. Behold!' With a slightly dramatic gesture, a glittering fragment of something that looked like green jade was held on high. The princess grasped it eagerly and devoured it with her eyes. Words were pouring in a liquid stream from her lips. She was transformed almost beyond recognition. "'At last,' she murmured, "'at last! But the other one, your companion, how did he die?' You say he is dead. How? Ben here shook his head sadly. I cannot say, he replied. It might have been some scheme of the part of Sahib Vosky. When we got back to our room in London, we were both dreadfully ill. For days I lie, and when I get better, they tell me my poor friend is dead and buried. Then I understood why Vosky Sahib smile and smile in that strange way. It was witchcraft, perhaps, or some devil we do not know in the East. But there is the stone. 
the princess was regarding the shining stone with a besotted enthusiasm that seemed grotesquely out of place with her dress and surroundings perhaps this suddenly flashed upon her for she carefully locked up the stone you have done well ben here she said and shall not go unrewarded the worst part of our task is over the rest is easy then the princess goes not back to lassa ben here asked oh not yet not yet not till they are destroyed root and branch to the smallest twig in the tree i have not spared myself and i am not going to spare others yet there remain those of the accursed race yonder the ravenspurs they know too much they have that which i require i will kill them off they shall die as my mistress slew her husband when his life was of no more value to her ah so you know that you would not reproach me ben here does the slave reproach the master who keeps his carcass from the kennel ben here asked as he bowed low my mistress was right her hands were washed whiter than the snow in the blood of the christian it was well it was just then you shall help me for there is much to be done take this ring place it on your finger and go to the others they are outside waiting give them the call thus the princess made a faint noise like the dowsy call of a bird and ben here caught it up at once he had heard it many times before then he slipped out like a cat in the darkness and presently the call came from the gloom a moment later it was answered and then all was still again mrs may who had discarded the princess for a moment closed her window drew the blinds and lighted a cigarette it was a glad night for her so those two are out of the way she murmured the road is clear at last clear to the vengeance that must be mine and with the vengeance comes the wealth that should make me a feared and dreaded power in the east give me but the wealth and lassa shall be my footstool end of chapter thirty seven